Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message.
bored. I wish I had something to do. <sighs> Thanks for letting me sleep in, kids. If you make a mess in the kitchen, please let me know so I can clean it up. Raising kids is so easy. I just love driving around all day. Oh, I never have to repeat myself. They always listen so carefully. Oh, look, an empty box of cereal. Love it. Just wipe it on your sleeve. It's pretty cold, but you don't need a coat. Oh, you don't have to push in your chair. Don't make your bed, you're just gonna sleep in it again later. I think I'll skip the coffee today. You know, these throw pillows look way better on the floor. I'm really not that busy. Well, you haven't showered in three days, but I think you smell great. We do have food at home, but let's just go out to eat. Just brush your teeth whenever you feel like it. Here, take my phone charger and go put it in your room. Oh, just leave your dirty dishes on the counter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's all pull on our phones. Youth sports are so cheap. Braces are so cheap. School fees are so cheap. Hey, can you come crawl in bed with me around 2 a.m.? Thanks. Okay, I just spent two hours making dinner, but if you don't like it, that's fine. Just let me know and I'll make you something else. Don't even bother looking for that. I'm sure it's lost and gone forever. Can somebody please throw something at my head? I mean, I can keep track of every single one of your things. I get a ton of sleep. I get a ton of gratitude from my children. I get a ton of unsolicited help with the housework. Oh, you don't have to hurry up. We're gonna be right on time. Can someone please throw something at the TV? Thanks for doing the laundry, everyone. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Can you use your outside voice? Ah! Fight, fight, fight! The floor of this vehicle is so clean, I can't believe it. Oh, good. Another trip to the grocery store today. Let's go. Somebody want to come use the bathroom while I'm in here? Yes, indeed. We do love you, moms, just the way God made you. If you are a mom, uh, let me remind you that your value is not based on how perfect or imperfect you are, but because God says you are of great worth and value to him. Good morning to everyone who has tuned in here today. Thank you for inviting us into your homes. We've been praying that this morning will be an encouragement to you and will speak to you in whatever place you find yourself in today. Your love is devoted Like a ring of solid gold Like a vow that is tested Like a covenant of old Your love is enduring Terrain beyond the horizon with mercy for today. Faithful you have been, and faithful you will be. You pledge yourself to me, and it's why I sing your praise. Well, ever be home. Angels and saints, we sing worthy are you, Lord. 
I'd like to invite you to join me in a word of prayer this morning. Dear God, uh, we acknowledge you as our creator and the sustainer of, of your universe and of us. Father, uh, we want to bow our knees before you today and just acknowledge that you are king, not just over all of creation, but that we have um, bowed our knees and submitted to you as king of our lives as well. We thank you today for the incredible um, design of the family in which you um, intended for us to experience love and relationship together. And today we want to uh, thank you in particular for uh, mothers who play such a significant role in the family as well. Father, would you just encourage the moms today, um, especially as we often feel um, a high, huge expectations, uh, both from within ourselves and from others, to be uh, perfect. And, uh, and so, Father, I pray that we would be a people that would uh, be affirming and living out, uh, valuing and loving people, not because of um, what they do, but because you have declared that all of your creation is good and, and that you value and and uh, attach worth, especially to your created people. So Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning as we continue in our series on knowing what it is to be a chosen people of God. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, but also hearts that will respond in obedience to what your word uh, tells us today. And so we commit ourselves to you in this next hour and ask that um, you would speak to us, that, um, that you would truly um, help us to understand your word and that we would, you would speak to us specifically about how you want us to respond to what we hear this morning. So we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Dear God, thank you for my mom. She teaches me about you. She works so hard to take care of me. Help me to be more thoughtful of her. To notice when she's tired. And be kind and helpful to her. Help me to cheer her up with hugs and humor when she is down. To spend time at her. To give to her and to thank her each day. Help me do nice things for her. She is a good mom! Please look after her and bless her. Help me at work. Help her rest. And please give her health and happiness every day. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Mom, you're the best. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you, Mom. Mama. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. God loves you, Mom. I love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Papa. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Mama. Well, good morning, and thank you for making us a part of your Sunday worship time. My name is Cal, and it's my privilege to guide us through God's Word this morning. Well, sort of. Seriously, though, it's always a joy for me to walk us through Scripture, to discover the truth of God's Word, and to draw out the important ways it needs to transform and affect our lives. I made that little joke because our passage this morning is not an easy one. We're continuing in our series in 1 Peter, a series we've titled Chosen, and this morning, we find ourselves in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. to It's one of those passages that, at first, is not easy to understand, nor is it easy to interpret. It's one of those passages where there are significant contextual issues that we need to work through. And it's one of those passages that addresses a topic that wasn't easy for the listeners to hear when it was written, and it seems to be an even more heated and even divisive issue today. So, I bet you can't wait to hear what it is we're going to talk about today, right? Well, with that kind of introduction, we need to jump right into it. Now remember that Peter begins the first chapter and a half or so of his letter with a more theological and more theoretical section. Now remember the situation of Peter's audience. Persecuted, scattered, exiled. But Peter gives them three foundational elements of what it means to be chosen by God. To be chosen by God means believers, or Christ followers, have hope in the midst of persecution and in the midst of suffering. To be chosen by God means believers, Christ followers, are called to holiness, living differently and apart from the rest of the world. And to be chosen by God means believers, Christ followers, have been given a new identity. We are being built into a spiritual house where God himself will dwell, with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Peter describes us, among other things, as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special possession. Now here, as Peter moves from the theological and theoretical to the, practicable, to, to, to the practical and applicable, he begins this section with these words, found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. The message puts it this way. Live an exemplary life in your neighborhood, so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they will be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when He arrives. And the first way we live differently, apart from the rest of the world, and differently in a way that draws others to Christ, is by living a life of genuine submission. Ugh. There's that S word that we all hate to hear. Submission. Submission to anyone or anything it's difficult. It's even unnatural. 
The problem of sin began in the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve were unwilling to submit themselves to the command of God not to eat the tree, uh, the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. And in a sense, all the sin we commit is really an unwillingness to submit to God and to His Word. Submission really goes against our sinful human nature. So a community that lives in proper biblical submission would have been just as counter to the culture in Peter's time as it would be today. As mentioned by Pastor Layton last week, the word submission comes from the two Greek words hypo and tasso, which means to order oneself under or according to a given relationship. You see, we all live and exist in some sort of relationship with others and the institutions around us. God's call to His chosen people is to order oneself according to those relationships. We are called to submit to someone or something. The challenge comes when we don't agree with those we are called to submit to, or we're mistreated or worse by those who are in authority over us. Now, this was a challenge of the persecuted, scattered, and exiled believers in Peter's time. But Peter teaches these believers that they are still called, as those chosen by God, to live in proper submission. Why? Well, first, because the world is watching. And second, because God wants our actions to glorify Him. Now, the two areas we looked at last week were the submission of each of us to the governing authorities, very timely given the situation that we are living in today, and submission of slaves to masters, a common situation in Peter's time, even if those masters mistreated or abused their slaves and their power. Now, this morning we continue these themes, live an exemplary life in your neighborhood, and the theme of submission by looking at another area in which we need to learn submission, and that is in the home. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out and follow along as I read for us 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. to Here Peter writes, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles or the wearing of gold, jewelry, or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So, right away you can see the challenge of this passage. Right from the opening words, I'm sure that there are some of you who are cringing or worse, in anticipation of what I'm going to say or what you think I'm going to say. Fair enough. I get it. But let's remember that this is still the Word of God, and it needs to be foundational and authoritative in our lives. Now, one of the major challenges of this passage is that the words, wives, in the same way submit yourselves to your own husbands, has been used to justify all kinds of atrocities and abuses against women in general and wives in particular. These words have been used, uh, have been, have been used to perpetu- uh, perpetuate the idea that women and wives are less than or lower than men or husbands. And these words have been used as a tool to uphold cultural systems that don't value, respect, or treasure women and wives and their God-given roles. But we need to understand accurately what Peter is saying here, what God is saying, and how it needs to be applied to our lives today. Now, the other significant challenge with this passage is that it's directed at a very specific audience. Wives, and more specifically, wives of unbelieving husbands and husbands. So, if you're not in one of those categories, is there a message here for you? Well, let's take a look and understand, first, what was it that Peter was communicating with the audience of his time? And then, let's see what the contemporary parallels the corresponding truths, and the general applications for us today are. First, 
Let's take a look at the context to which Peter was writing and the situation he was specifically addressing. Now remember that Christianity was still fairly new at this time. Many were coming to this new faith in Jesus, but Christianity had not yet truly permeated any, any culture. Therefore, it was not uncommon for, in a married couple situation, for only one spouse to have made that decision to follow Jesus, but for the other spouse to continue in their original ways. Now, when this situation occurred with the wife coming to Christ, this presented significant questions. Should I leave my husband? Should I change my behavior towards him? Well, since I'm a Christian now, should I be the one to take a superior position, to take the role of leadership? In ancient culture, it would have been unthinkable for the wife to adopt a different religious belief than her husband. So she would have also been singled out by the society around her. Culturally, this presented all sorts of conundrums for both the wife and her husband. And so Peter gives them some much-needed instruction. The first thing Peter tells such wives is that they need to submit to their husbands, even if their husbands aren't believers. Peter says, wives, in the same way. Just as Peter has called God's chosen people to submit to governing authorities and for Christian slaves to submit to their masters, Peter's calling wives to submit to their husbands in the same way. Now, we'll examine true biblical submission in a few moments. But wives, even wives of unbelieving husbands, are called to submit. And for Christian wives with unbelieving husbands, the gentleness, the respect, and the considerate submission of the wife can win over the heart of the husband to the Lord. When unbelieving husbands see what Peter calls the purity and reverence of your lives, they see the nature and character of Christ shining through their wives, and that has a potential to win them to Christ and for Christ as well. Second, Peter reminds Christian wives to focus on the true beauty that comes from inner character and not outward adornment. Now, Peter isn't saying that a wife shouldn't present herself well, but the outward appearance shouldn't be the focus or the obsession of the godly wife. Inner character should be the focus. Your standard of beauty should be the same as God's, a gentle and a quiet spirit. Now, Peter closes his words to wives with the example of Sarah, a woman who submitted herself to her husband Abraham even when it was difficult and even when he was wrong. A wife who honored her husband by calling him Lord. A Sarah story was one that would have been familiar to Peter's audience, and it is her example that Peter calls these wives to emulate. Now, these principles, while speaking specifically to wives of unbelieving husbands, can actually be applied in Peter's context to all wives. And there are principles, which we will talk about again in a few minutes, that should be applied to all women. Verse 1 says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe, if any of them do not believe, they will see their honor, their respect, their gentleness, and their inner beauty and be won over to the Lord as well. Notice also that Peter addresses wives and husbands, not women and men. Women are not called to submit themselves to all men. There are certain forms in which women are to submit to men, and the marriage relationship is one of those. Now, in the next section, Peter addresses the husbands, believing husbands, Christ's followers, and he exhorts them to be considerate with their wives and to treat them with respect. Once again, Peter starts this section with, in the same way, meaning that these thoughts track along the same theme as what he has been saying in this larger section of submission. But he doesn't tell husbands to submit to their wives. The translation of the New International Version doesn't really do this instruction, this set of instructions justice. The New King James says this, Husbands, likewise, in the same way, dwell with them, your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, three key words, which I'll delve into a little bit later. Dwell, understand, and honor. These are the key instructions of husbands to wives, Christian husbands to wives. Why? 
because the, so, the woman is a so-called weaker vessel. Now, again, before we cringe at that, what Peter is saying is that, in general, women are not physically as strong as men. It's a reference to their physical strength. And again, this is a generalization, that women are not physically as strong as men. Peter continues to say that husbands are to live in this way toward their wives because they are heirs together of the grace of life, meaning that Jesus has given his life for them as well, and that his wife is more than just his wife. She is his sister in Christ. She also holds a special place in the heart of Jesus. And Peter concludes this why section with this, so that his prayers will not be hindered. There's a correlation between how a husband treats and leads his wife and his spiritual condition. Not treating one's wife considerately, honorably, and respectfully has a spiritual impact and even has spiritual consequences. So, that's what Peter is saying to wives, wives of unbelieving husbands and believing husbands in his context. Now, I can already imagine that some of you are likely rolling your eyes suggesting that Peter's directives are a cultural thing and they don't apply to us today. Often women and wives will express this sentiment, I will never let a man tell me what to do. What do Peter's words, words inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit, what does God's word here mean in our context? And what are the eternal truths that we need to draw from this passage and how must we apply those truths today? Well, first, just as, there are, just as there is an order of authority and submission between citizens and government, governing authorities, between slaves and masters or workers and bosses, there is an order of authority and a need for submission in the family. In general, we accept these principles when it comes to our government, to our bosses or our managers, to police, to other civic authorities, to church leaders, and ultimately to God. Yet often we find it difficult to accept this principle when it comes to the home. And in the home, wives are called to submit to their husbands. I know many don't like these words, but I'm not sure how you can deny what God's word says about this. Colossians 3 verse 18, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the, in the Lord. Titus 2 verses 3 to 5, the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teacher of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Ephesians 5, 22-24, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let, the wives be, uh, be, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, before you're tempted to stop the video or fast forward or tune me out, let me say that there's another half of this principle that is just as important, and actually, in my opinion, even more important that I'll address in just a moment. What the first kind of universal truth and principle that we need to draw from Peter's teachings here is that there is still an authority structure and a submission required in the home. Second, the struggle we have with this authority and this submission is actually first a spiritual battle. It's not a cultural battle. Very quickly, if we go back and we look at man's original sin in the Garden of Eden, their disobedience to God, had consequences. Of course, all of mankind was inflicted with the sin problem. It's in our DNA. And because of our sin, we are separated from God. But more than that, there were specific consequences for the snake, for the man, and for the woman. For the woman, this is what Genesis 3 says about the curse brought upon women because of sin. I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now, there's a few consequences here, but for today, let me focus just on the part that says, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Before the fall, God created man and woman as perfect partners, functioning together in, a, in perfect harmony. Now, understand that even in those perfect days, authority and submission were still part of God's design. 
The call for wives to submit to husbands was not a result of sin. The consequence of Eve's sin was that women, or wives, would now long to rule over their husbands, that they would long to be the dominant and controlling one, and in doing so, upset the structure and the order designed by God. Now pair that with the consequence of pain and childbirth, and we see that the curse on women was a relational curse. The curse on man is this, Cursed is a ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles uh, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Other than the curse of physical death, the curse to the man was not relational in focus, rather it was accomplishment in focus. Man would seek to exercise control and power in ways not designed by God, and in doing so, he would also upset the structure and order designed by God. That's the second principle then. This is a spiritual battle, not just a cultural one. Third, kind of universal truth, is that human-to-human submission, as what Peter is laying out here in this section, absolutely does not equal inequality. It does not mean inequality. Just because one party or individual submits to another in a proper biblical way does not mean that that one party or individual is more important or less important, not more valuable or less valuable than the other. You see, too often society has improperly and actually perversely conflated these two concepts. That because you are called to submit to me, say, I am therefore more important or more valuable than you are, or vice versa. The ultimate example of this is found in Jesus the Son, who wholeheartedly submitted himself to the will of God the Father. Remember what he said in the Garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, but yours be done. And yet we know Jesus was in every way equal to the Father. Now, this is key in understanding the order and authority that God has established in society, in workplaces, and yes, in the home. Power, authority, order, and submission are never about inequality or value. Although it seems to be trendy today, the issue isn't about power imbalance. The issue is about improper order of authority and the abuse of power. Fourth, even though it seems that we focus on the submission of the wives, we must also focus on the accountability of the husbands. This is what Peter means when he addresses the husbands with the words, in the same way, but doesn't tell them that they need to submit to their wives, but it's all part of the design of God's order. And this applies in all areas of submission. When we look at Peter's instructions, he says more to the wives than to the husbands, which might make us believe that the lack of submissive wives was the main problem. However, balance that with Paul's teaching in Ephesians, where he says significantly more to husbands than to the wives, and consider again contextual, contextual issues in Peter's letter, and we see that the opposite is actually true. No matter who we are, what role we have in life, there will be there will always be those that we submit to and those that, who are to submit to us. We're always somewhere in that chain. However, our tendency is to believe that the primary problem is the lack of submission, which yes, is a problem, but we don't remember that there's also the problem of accountability. Those in authority over us tend to focus on whether or not those uh, who are called to submit to us are actually submitting and forget that they are also accountable in God's structure. Now consider this. Peter's words to the wives of his day would actually not have been revolutionary, at least from an action outward perspective. In Peter's day, women, unfortunately, were often treated as possessions, there to fulfill the command and the whim of the husband. In general, wives and women overall had very little in terms of rights, freedoms, even possessions, and influence. What Peter is instructing them to do is to examine their hearts and submit from a willingness to do so because that is what Christ would have them do. Exercise their Christian freedom 
to submit and to influence your husband through gentleness and respect. It's a challenge to their inner character, even though their outward actions might not have been significantly different or affected because of the culture of the day. However, Peter's instructions to the husbands were far more revolutionary. You see, men were expected to dominate their wives, both by their position as husbands, by their generally superior physical strength, and simply because they were men. It wouldn't have turned anyone's head for a husband to be harsh, to be demeaning, even abusive towards his wife. But what Peter is telling the husbands is this, no more. Stop treating and seeing your wives as property. Treat them considerately, with honor and with respect. Love them the way they need to be loved and deserve to be loved. Treat them as equals because that is what they are. And this new way of behaving would have also required an inner transformation and would have run very counter to the culture. The relational problem we, of, we, face, we often face today includes issues of non-submissive wives, but it also includes abusive and domineering husbands, as well as, a husband's, as husbands who do not lead their wives nor their families in a godly and a God-honoring way. Now, there are qualifiers to the call for wives to submit to their husbands. One uh, sermon I, I read, you know, kind of just in trying to balance some of my ideas, put it this way. Submission does not mean suppressing your will, speaking again to the wives. Submission does not mean suppressing your will, your wants, your interests, and gifts to simply serve your husbands. Wives, your ideas matter, your perspective matters, and your gifts matter in your marriage. Submission does not mean blind obedience, and certainly not obedience to a request to sin. Wives, you are not slaves, nor employees of your husbands. And submission does not mean simply taking it if your husband is abusive in any way, physical, verbal, emotional, or even spiritual. Here's the other thing. Submission doesn't mean you don't lead, that you don't have a voice, or that the husband simply calls all the shots. True, biblical, influencing, and God-honoring submission means not tearing your husband down in public or in private. It means intentionally building him up so that he can play the role that God has designed for him and de desires for him to play. It means honoring and respecting his leadership, even when you don't agree, and even when he's wrong. Now, going back to the instructions to husbands, remember I mentioned that there were three key words in Peter's instructions to these Christian husbands. Dwell, understand, and honor. To dwell with your wife means more than just sharing a house or a physical space together. It's integrating your life with hers. It's building your marriage and your family together. Understanding your wife means taking the time to know her and to know her well so that you can demonstrate your care and your love for her in personal and effective ways. Godly husbands are to give honor to their wives, not treat them as property, not treat them like possessions. A godly husband treats his wife with respect and shows her her value. He doesn't exercise his so-called rights over her. So in general, how do we apply this passage? Well, to wives and to women in general, I would suggest this. Cultivate the beauty of inner character. In godly submission, wives cultivate and review the beauty of inner character. Don't fall into the trap of outward appearances. Don't believe the lie that your value comes from your physical appearance. Now again, I'm not saying, nor is Peter saying, that wives and women shouldn't think about their hair or their clothes and so on. But too often we see, especially in today's Western society, this obsession with things on the outside. That our beauty comes from the outside. And it's at the expense of the beauty of inner character. So women, cultivate and review the beauty of your inner character. For husbands, for men in general, I believe the call here is to cultivate the strength of your inner character. In godly leadership, men cultivate and reveal the strength of who's inside, of, of, of their inner change and inner transformed character. 
Don't fall into the trap of believing that strength comes from domination or control. Don't believe the lie that your value comes from what you accomplish or what you achieve. In short, be a man who is worthy of submission. Peter instructs wives to submit to their husbands. But in the same breath, he calls husbands to be worthy of their submission. The two must go hand in hand. What it comes down to is that it's what's inside that really counts. Now let me close this message in a very simple way with this thought. How we submit to the human authority and the human order that God has put in place reflects on our submission to God. And that includes the order that God has established in the home. Let's take on the mindset of Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we know that passages like these are, are difficult passages to understand, to interpret, and to apply. And we know that the whole issue of submission just goes so counter to who we are in our sinful nature. But Father, you call us as Christ followers, as those chosen by you to live lives of true, biblical, humble submission. And Father, even in the home, I pray that we would recognize that you have established an order in the home and we are to submit to that. Father, for women, for men, may we cultivate our inner character so that we can truly live lives of submission and lead properly in the, in the form that you placed us in. Lord, we ask for the strength and the courage to do so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you, and thanks for listening.